Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, this is episode 168. You're with Paul Spain. And Steve Sims. Welcome along, Steve. Good to have you here. A lovely day in town too. Indeed. Now, uh, just for those who, who don't know you, remind us where you fit into the uh, technology sphere in oh uh, New Zealand. <laughs> uh, pretty much been involved in IT now for well over 20 years and um, uh, more recently in the last 10 years been a Wi-Fi guy with um, Tommy's own. So I started that up about eight years ago. Great. Well, let's uh, let's jump in now. First question I've got, I want to know about that thing sitting on your wrist that looks rather <laughs> fancy uh, that uh, was announced uh, was announced during uh, CES in Vegas. Yes, indeed. It is the Pebble Steel because I was one of the uh, first Kickstarter ones that got the Kickstarter model, loved it, thought it was great. Then I um, hung around for the announcement uh, over the, the, the holiday break. And uh, before the announcement was over, I'd bought two of them because it's a very, very impressive um, device, but also the people still actually looks like a watch as opposed to a plastic toy. It, lo- it looks really nice, doesn't it? And, um, I mean, the, the whole smartwatch area is an interesting one. A lot of people say, ah, it's flashing the pan, and, you know, no one's going to be wearing these things in, in a couple of years' time. Um, but but the uh, the the Pebble sort of seems to be the standout uh, the standout product so far, and it's really interesting with the steel, is that they haven't changed a whole lot in terms of uh, you know what it what it does, other than the physical appearance. But in behind the scenes, they've also been uh, working on the software, right? Well, they've been very clever with um, putting a Pebble app store together. Mm. So uh, the, the third party developers who go and throw the stuff together are, are now putting it into that Pebble app store. Um, Previously, you'd have to hunt around the, the, the web to find out where stuff is. So it's a good good point of aggregation for all of their cool stuff. And um, sure, you can stick eight applications in your Pebble locker and make it look really cool. I mean, I use it for walking. Uh, mm. I've got a few watch faces there that I might want to change. I mean, this one at the moment is telling me it's 22 degrees outside. Um, and that's that's coming through uh, the, the, the Bluetooth connectivity to my iPhone. Mm. And it also works on Android and, and everything else. So look, at the end of the day, wearable tech is where it's at this year, I believe. Um, when wearable tech looks good, that's even better, which is what you're seeing with the Pebble Steel. And when wearable tech is useful, like what you're seeing with Pebble, that's why other things like gear fail. Yeah, and and doesn't need charging every five minutes and so on. So um, now one of the uh, one of the things that the Pebble relies on is um, the the e paper display, e ink display, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And that's one of the one of the keys in terms of a you know a design design decision uh, that allows you not to uh, you know blow out your battery life and you can leave the screen on all the time. Whereas you know most of the other products, the screen times out, and uh, you know there's pros and there's pros and cons. Of how they do that, for instance, with um, you know Samsung's Galaxy Gear, yep. you raise your arm up to look at your watch, and, and by the time your eyes sort of you know fixated on the on the screen, it's, it's probably awake if that's all working well. Sure, uh, and you've got a you've got a color display. Um, but I mean, how how do you find it in terms of uh, you know battery life and what are the functions? Oh, that ba- it's battery life is about a, for ba- you? about a week. The um, the functionality of of you know, when I use it for the walk to see see what my pace is like and see how long I've been on my walk, it's it's pretty useful. But um, the thing isn't trying to be too cute. It's not trying to do so many things that are just really amazing. It's just doing a number of things really, really well and solidly. So it just works. 
and they're, and they're a reasonably priced product too, aren't they? 250 bucks US. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's all right for a watch. I mean, these days people are spending a couple of hundred bucks on a reasonable watch anyway. So mm. if you're into this kind of stuff, this is probably the thing that you buy. And that's why I threw money at the screen before the announcement ended. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's good. Now, uh, in terms of other, uh, other technology that's um, certainly uh, smaller than your uh, traditional computing and, and technology platforms, uh, something that I came across on, um, on the Gigarome uh, site was uh, talk about a, a US team um, that have um, worked out how to build uh, what they're calling nano motors uh, made from tiny metal rods um, that uh, can be basically manipulated so you uh, end up with these tiny motors able to run around actually inside your your cells, inside a human cell. Uh, it's quite fascinating. What I'm seeing is, is that these are, um, it's kind of like having shrapnel. Um, inside your body, but that's but, a good way, but, but in it. a very very small way. But these these motors, as I'm seeing, are actually manipulated by uh, magnets and, mm. and things like that. So that's that's very cool. I mean, how quick can you shrink down a human being to be inside one of these things? Much <laughs> like that movie back in the fifties, where what was it? Journey inside the body, or, or what? It, I can't quite remember the yeah, movie title, but yeah. it was quite weird. Yeah, yeah. There's been there's been one or two interesting uh, movies like that. But uh, yeah, getting getting any form of uh, yeah technology that can uh, run around and and uh, and do things. And I guess their their hope is that uh, um, they will be able to manipulate these. I think the, the article mentions uh, using sound waves and and, and magnets to do that uh, manipulation. Um, that they may be able to uh, use these. Uh, to, uh, to to fight disease, basically. Well, so, one uh, of the things that, that comes out of this is that they can line them up like a like a, a little army and bust through a cell and completely kill disease, according to, to these researchers. So, yeah, well, if, if you can get useful. the placement right, otherwise you could be busting through who knows what, and, <laughs> uh, you know, depending on where these things have ended up. Pretty messy, but I guess these guys have got it well figured out. Yeah, maybe. I guess um, you probably want to make sure that they don't stay in there because you know you can imagine uh, you know someone with some um, who's who's not trying to be quite so helpful that waves a magnet around near your body or something could uh, could could cause you some uh, discomfort, right? <laughs> oh, they're, they're they're tiny things, and sure, I'm, I'm I'm sure they'll get them out of you. Uh, they, they know how many went in. They know how many would come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've got, I, I think it's, it sits in the fascinating f- file for now. But uh, yeah, if they can, uh, if they can actually pull it off and uh, and do something with them, that's that's kind of cool. Anything that saves your life, that's better than using tech. Yeah, we're into it now. Four uh, K TVs were really big at CES this year, and you know, right up to the hundred and uh, yeah, hundred and four um, inch curved and the 110 inch uh lg and uh and samsung sort of particularly you know taking that charge but uh you know everywhere you look we're starting to see those coming in i, I looked on uh, one of the new zealand retailers websites over the weekend uh maybe you have harvey norman or, or noel leeming and uh yeah they had um probably in the direction of eight to ten different products which if we'd looked uh six months ago there, there might have been one or or two uh still pretty pricey i mean we're talking uh Around that ten thousand, you know, six to ten thousand uh, dollar sort of start, right at the you know starting point. Mm. Uh, but the other piece of that picture is around capturing that four K four K video, 
And of course, there's. There, I mean, we're starting to see some lower cost products that can do that. The, uh, the you know, the GoPro have got a, uh, a model that does 4K, although only at 15 frames per second, so not really particularly useful for, uh, uh, yeah, for for most video. Uh, but we're now starting to see a few more options uh, land in the market. So um, Panasonic were uh, were showing off their uh, their GH4 at uh, at CES. Uh, and there was the um, uh, Black Magic with with a uh, a new product in that, that space as well, which is an Australian company I know we've we've talked about uh, last year. And uh, a bunch of people had uh, had pre ordered the uh, the the Black Magic um, the four K uh, Black Magic uh, camera at uh, I think it was a four thousand dollar price, wasn't it? Four thousand uh, yeah. US. Yeah, and uh, and and so when they launched it, that was um, so popular, uh, and they had such a big production run. They they dropped the price. Uh, what I'm seeing here, about a thousand bucks off it. Yeah, that's quite nice. I mean, how often is it you pre-order something, you pay for it, and they send you your product and send you uh, you know send you a, a refund for uh, in this case a quarter of the price. So they, uh, they should have sent two. Yeah, <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's kind of cool. So I mean, Black Magic, fascinating, um, fascinating uh, uh, company uh, out of Australia that have sort of you know blazing a little bit of a uh, you know a trail by you know undercutting, I guess, a lot of the uh, uh, the more traditional brands. Uh, yeah, I guess we've also had uh, the the red camera that's uh, you know also really sort of stormed in and uh, you know cr- grabbed a lot of attention. The, the, the likes of uh, Peter Jackson uh, making use of that uh, that technology. Um, all, all the budding movie makers um, now are, are reaching into a point where it's becoming affordable to produce good quality stuff, and we're always looking for something that's got lots of clarity. Now, th- this is where the two areas are starting to meet, where content's being created in 4K, TVs are starting to come out in 4K. They, they both will reach that affordable point. Mm. Um, what point? I don't know. I, I mean, I saw 4K TVs in the States recently for three and a half grand. So it, the the wave, if you like, of the price dropping is starting to happen in some of the high volume markets. Yeah, I think there's even a sub, that, you know, a, a, a low end uh, yeah, brand. There's, I think, a sub 1000 US dollar, uh, you know, 4K TV. And yeah, I mean, there w- there will be a whole mix of price points, and I think we'll see. Uh, you know, even our smartphones will be doing 4K uh, video re- reasonably quickly. Uh, but in terms that uh, you know of coming in at uh, uh, a more sort of professional uh, quality, it's quite impressive what uh, um, yeah the Blackmagic 4K can do. Also, uh, Panasonic with their um, yeah you can uh, GH4, which yeah interchangeable lenses and so on, in their uh, I think the Micro Four Thirds um, format. That's uh, going to come in under uh, I think under two thousand uh, US. So that will be that will be an interesting um, product as 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 well, and uh, there's quite a few uh, bits and pieces of news around that that have popped online over the over the last couple of days. So uh, it's it sounds like we'll be uh, we'll be seeing that soon. I'm not sure how long it will take to uh, take to get to New Zealand, but it's it's nice seeing uh, uh, I guess those those 4K video options open up because. Um, you know, if you're shooting video, it's nice to have something that's going to look really good. 
in the future. Yeah, We're, and that, that's, uh, that's as, as point. we move to that 4K, if you uh, remember your, your old, old stuff's going to look really. Your old really stuff rugged. looks really dodgy right now on your 4K yeah. TV. It even looks really dodgy on your HD TV. I don't know whether you've seen your own videos from from the 90s that you might have taken on that big camera that you bought for three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and how crap they look now. Exactly. So uh, yeah, so it's good to see that it's good to see those options coming through, um, and we'll we'll hopefully be able to get our hands on uh, on some of that stuff and, and have a good look. Um, I mean, perfect for those who have got their uh, got their new Mac Pro and are looking to do some uh, uh, some some editing. I mean, having a lot of fun actually on um, on on the Mac Pro that uh, um, Apple have, have given us hands on with, and uh, yeah, the performance on dealing with that sort of stuff, you really do need a high a high end machine like that if you want to uh, um, race through it from that editing perspective. I think that that is probably one of the most impressive gadgets we've seen in recent times being released. I mean, a few good things about it, not only the tech specs, but also Mm. the business model behind it, where they're actually getting this thing assembled back in the US now instead of shipping all of their design plans to some contracted factory somewhere in the east and uh and, and it's great to see that they're creating wealth in their own country with these things yeah it's it's um it's quite pleasing to see a a move back to manufacturing and you know in markets where yeah the manufacturing had been outsourced i mean it seems that the u.s is the uh, has been sort of the biggest mover in that front where we're seeing more of that offshore manufacturing either come back to the US or in some cases we're seeing it come back to, uh, you know, a little bit closer to home, say Mexico. Yep. Um, that, that seems to be, uh, quite a move. Do you think that's gonna, that's gonna happen across a broader range of tech products or is it, more going to be the high-end products like the Mac Pro, although we've seen Motorola uh, doing it with uh, with some of their smartphones. I, I kind of think that the smart companies that actually maintain their margin and their pricing on their products will be able to afford bringing the wealth back home. Uh, the ones that are fighting on price will also be compromising on quality, I guess. So that's what you're kind of seeing with these manufacturers that say, hey, look, we're making a really good thing here. We're not shipping it off somewhere. We're making it in our own factories. We've got our own people doing it. And, um, and and so it brings a, another quality story to quite an expanding audience that A, have the money, and B, want something to last. Hmm. So that's that's what, what I believe we'll see uh, again in the future. And part of that story also is the technology that's allowing these processes to be automated more and more. So you don't necessarily need as big a workforce as you did in the past to do that uh, production because, uh, yeah, robotics is... is playing a really sort of key role uh, in the manufacturing process. And, that, and that's really cool because you've actually got smart workers on the work, workshop floor, which means that the designers are quite happy to talk to them face-to-face as opposed to via email or in video conferencing mm, mm. Um, across the world. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Now, there's a product called Log Me In, which are, a lot of people, particularly those uh, that are involved in IT or, or help their friends out with their IT, with you know whether it's sort of on a professional or or a sort of personal basis. Um, you used Log Me In before? I have indeed. Um, it was a nice way for me to go and service my my mum's computer while she was she was away, and so my support call would consist of just logging into the computer and and fixing it, yeah, um, or having a look at what was going wrong. Yeah, so perf- perfect uh, perfect example of its use. Now, uh, what's just just changed is that 
log me in used to make their product available on a sort of a free basis, and uh, now they've moved to uh, to a pay model. Well, so they should, because uh, this is the only way that you're going to get software innovation when it's paid for. You're going to get software innovation when it's free, because um, as, as well as an example, but that's also the time when that software company will be honing their, their, their business model, the product itself, seeing, seeing the, the metrics that come out of what happens when they launch a product for free. Mm. But, you know, when their competitors are making a lot of money out of this stuff, then they should be joining the bandwagon with a professional product, professional support. And it's great that LogMeIn are doing that. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, it, I mean, definitely good for them from a business perspective. For those, you know, using it on that sort of casual basis, maybe help mum out with a computer, etc. Uh, a little bit of a frustration, I'm sure. Um, there are, you know, various products available you can get a free trial for, but, uh, really this, this was, you know, log me in was the main, uh, the main product for doing that sort of thing. If you didn't want to, uh, if you didn't want to sort of front up with some money, uh, yeah, for those that are looking for something new, there are, um, yeah, I mean, there's a huge range of options in the market now to uh, to have a look at. So you know, it's not a matter of that you're forced to uh, you know jump and and pay log me in. There, there are a lot of people with uh, with paid options. Uh, one of the ones that makes sense a lot from a business perspective is TeamViewer, yep. and uh, you know that's that's something that those involved in uh, you know. Su- Supporting uh, IT within the business realm will uh, will probably have have come across because they've got quite a uh, you know, a flexible sort of licensing model and, and an ability to uh, uh, you know, reach out and support a, a large number of uh, of computers with it. But the marvelous thing is that that um, with these these kind of products there, it, it is making it more accessible for you to go and give friends, family, and businesses support and start your own enterprise if you like by saying, "Hey, look, I'll support you for fifty dollars a month." blah, 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 and you're reselling this product. So Hmm. those are the kind of business models that we're seeing with these software companies that are offering these things on an affiliate basis. So by doing that, by offering that support, the the company itself can turn around to its partners. So it's a nice little ecosystem. Mm. They can turn around Mm. to the partners and say, well, this is how much money you're going to make out of that person's subscription who is labelled as your customer. So good on you. Mm. Well done. So log me in is, 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 is a case of doing that. Team viewer. Yeah, absolutely. Real, real facilitators for that uh, that yeah, ability to provide remote support. Um, we'll have uh, a link or two up on the NZ Tech Podcast site to uh, to one or two of those products. Uh, if we can, we will uh, we'll have links that give um, give a, a, a discount. So uh, we'll see what we can do uh, there. Hopefully, that'll be online by the time the uh, the podcast is. And uh, if there's a discount for you, it also means that there'll be a little uh, a little bonus for uh, NZ Tech Podcast as well in there. So you'll be supporting us by uh, uh, clicking through on those. And believe me, Paul, you shouldn't be eating rice, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be able to afford some bread. Um, where were we? Uh, now, Wi-Fi security. This is uh, this is an area that's sort of dear to your uh, dear to your heart. Um, you, well, you uh, uh, well, Tommy Zones, I guess you know, bread and butter over the last few years has been providing Wi-Fi services, and there are other things that uh, that you do in there. But there there was an article last week in the New Zealand uh, Herald and some uh, some statements that were made that got you a little bit racked up. Tell us tell oh, us about I, that. I, 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 Rucked up is probably a little bit of an overstatement, but more so um, ill-informed communications people who don't bother balancing their stories with reporters um, would be uh, would be the better statement. I mean, one of the things that I saw with the banking ombudsman announcement that we saw uh, was that don't use public Wi-Fi um, 
and and do your banking on it. That, well, that was that was sort of the headline, wasn't that it? That was the headline, and then yeah. then one of the TV uh, reporters decided to just interview um, the ombudsman, and she said, "Please just don't use public Wi-Fi. We recommend you don't use public Wi-Fi at all." And it didn't come with the substatement that said for your banking. Well, in fact, the headline should have been, "Do not email bank details." <laughs> on any connection and deal with your bank directly through their secure connection regardless of what internet connection you're on so um so sadly i believe that they got that wrong mm, um mm. wi-fi security or public wi-fi security is as good as you want to make it as a user um yes it will be open yes there are people that will happily sniff your traffic if they can work it out but there's so many tools that you you can uh you can use to secure yourself on some secure communication email for instance it, it all um, email providers generally provide a secure way for Certainly you to relay the, your traffic. Yeah, the major providers, everything is a secure connection between your uh, your laptop and the and, and the provider. I mean, the thing to be cautious about is yeah, picking up some random free Wi-Fi that someone's left open. Uh, yeah. Because if someone's leaving something open, yes, it could be by accident, and there's been plenty of that in the past. Although. Less of that these days because most Wi-Fi equipment becomes secured by default. So if yes. something's left open uh, and you're not expected to jump through any hoops to access it and you're not paying anything, uh, you should be a little bit cautious, right? Well, the, the, the caution should be about what are you trying to do on the public internet connection that you're, you're getting at the library, for instance. Mm. And, and, and um, you know, we've, we've got many thousands of places that we offer service and we're getting many millions of users every month using our services without any problems. And then to read uh, what I would, would term as an irresponsible statement saying don't use public Wi-Fi. Mm. Um, and, and they didn't name the bank, funny enough, in that statement that mm. had um, accepted that person's transaction uh, via email. So what was it that, that happened? Can, um, can you run yeah, us through I, the story? I, I, can, I can elaborate. The, a couple sat in a public Wi-Fi hotspot somewhere and transferred a six-figure sum um, out of their bank account or into their bank account, and someone obviously picked up those emails uh, somewhere uh, on that Wi-Fi connection or, or doing Some, a man, somewhere else in the, man in, in the, the middle attack. Somewhere else in the process, who yes, knows where it was, Picked right? up their insecure email, mm. used a second form of authentication with the bank when they rang up the bank saying, here's my employment letter. Um, you know, it is me. It really is me. And um, can you please reverse that and put it into this bank account instead? This is what generally the, the concept was. Mm. And so then it was, oh, oh, public Wi-Fi hotspots are really bad. Mm. Um, and in fact, it's like silly people dealing with that bank. You should not be banking with that bank that allows you to do such transactions over an open internet connection, over an open email relay. Mm. Uh, mm. And, and, you know, your bank will expect you to communicate with them. My, my bank is BNZ. I mm. communicate them via email internally inside their program, mm. not mm. by sending them a, a random email mm. from some random area. So. Yeah, yeah. And there, and there are, I guess, sort of, um, uh, yeah, checks and balances in terms of how things are done. So if you send a fax to, or if, if the bank gets a fax from you or, or a, you know, a uh, scan-to-email type, type thing with some instructions, then most banks are going to come back and actually verify it. I mean, we all know yep. that it's reasonably easy to get someone's birth date, signature, and those other bits and pieces, which is, I believe, what they got in this case. They got those things, Any, pushed it together. Slight, slight knowledge and, five seconds. And, uh, you know, you, yep. you put it down, you you generate a fax, or it can be via email. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways you can do this. The association with Wi-Fi, I think, is not particularly uh, uh, 
relevant because there's a whole lot of ways it's to off collect theme. that information. <laughs> you can you can then send a letter to a bank and say, look, I've given I'll give you instructions. Please transfer money out of this account to this international account yep. or whatever it is. Uh, and yeah, if the bank just actions that without double checking that it was you that sent it and so on, um, then you know that's uh, that's probably madness. Well, I, in this I, case, I, I would have thought sensationalist headline caused by a junior communications person and endorsed by the banking ombudsman and then picked up by the media as a big scary thing. <laughs> oh well, these things will continue, I'm sure, and we'll have another similar story uh, next week. Uh, <laughs> What's Sony up to? What on earth are Sony doing? Is this a smart move that they're uh, that they're getting out of uh, uh, PCs? We, you know, we're getting out of uh, traditional uh, computers, right? When they first came out with the VIA, and I don't know whether you know what the acronym of VIA stands for. There were a couple of couple of variations on it. Well, weren't there? V- video, audio, in, out. And, and and that's what VIA was, the Sony VIA range. Mm. When that first came out, I thought they were the ducks, nuts as computers. They were really, really cool. And they then, definitely had that sort of Sony um, yeah, uh, design element attached yes. to them, that yep. very unusual uh, in anything other than an Apple, uh, yeah, Apple-based yep. computer the, at the, the they time. Were, they were the thing, the, the bee's knees above the Toshibas way back in the days when I used to buy laptops. Um, and then... Uh, they've admitted defeat last week to say, hey, this PC war is getting, or this laptop war is getting too hard. We don't have anything really in the portable computing space like a tablet or anything that we can sing and dance about. Um, we really need to focus on a couple of core industries, which is um, consumer entertainment and bits and pieces like that. So they go and sell off their computer division. And um, and, and so, so to see that happen, it's the white flag. Hey, we've given up. Um, we'll leave it to someone else. And, and the company that they sold it to, which was uh, Japan Industrial Computer, I think, or a company, mm. are only going to concentrate on the Japanese market for those computer models moving forward. And support for Sony VAIO will continue at least for the next three months from what we're reading in the PR. Mm. Mm. Um, so if you've got a Sony VAIO, now would be a good time to have a think about what you want to do in the next six to 12 months when you want to change out your hardware. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting timing because we were just chatting last week uh, some work, some things going around about uh, Samsung uh, moving out of the space, uh, and you know it seems quite likely that it's not just just Sony that's making uh, this move. Uh, I know you know Samsung's numbers in terms of uh, you know the number of laptops and, and so on that they uh, they sold in the last year were uh, were way down, and uh, you know it's just not an easy area to uh, to make money in. That said, it also seems to be pretty hard to make money in smartphones. And tablets in general, uh, because most of the players there aren't uh, aren't pocketing uh, big profits. Well, with, with Apple being the uh, uh, the notable exception that uh, is doing extremely. Well, it's, it's a notable exception because they well. know how to sell stuff. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, Samsung are the- selling a lot of a lot of product in in those in those particular spaces, but across the whole business, yep. uh, they're not doing particularly well. Sure, and I guess that's a reflection of maybe them being in some fields that uh, that just aren't profitable. And are dragging dragging the business down. I mean, and uh, I mean, Sony's uh, uh, you know, f- financial story. You know, we just had an update on that in the last few days. is uh, is not very crash hot at all uh, either. So it's it's woeful. But you have to go and cut out divisions that don't make money. And and clearly, with double digit declines in the uh, in the laptop and PC space, you've got to make the correct decision. And and so we'll see Sony still around in many years to come. But um, it's morphing into a really really good gadget company that it should be defining itself with a few good products and so this was the thing that the 90s 
and, and, you know, the last decade, a lot of these big brand companies diversified into so many ranges of everything from, from headphones right down to, to a calculator. And so they'd have all of these little business divisions and, and all of this cost infrastructure and sales infrastructure that, to go in there. And as soon as you start to see declines in some markets, they'd just subsidize it with other parts of their divisions. Those days have gone. Mm-hmm. And so you've, you've got to actually make money in every single division if you are to stay in business and be a sustainable business with a 50-year business plan. Yeah, and, and I mean, you can have a long-term business plan, but things are going to change tomorrow. You've got to keep changing and, and pivoting and, uh, and making some pretty hard decisions, don't you? And, uh, you know, companies like Kodak that, uh, you know, really uh, you know, wiped out by not moving uh, not moving quick enough. Yep. Uh, yeah, brand's still around, but, uh, yeah, Polaroid, who ha- had a pretty, um, uh, yeah, difficult time, although, yeah, at the likes of CES, you, you actually see quite a bit with, with the Polaroid branding. Uh, they seem to one of their moves is they license out their uh, uh, their name, and other people can can sell a Polaroid this or a Polaroid that. Yep, indeed. Um, but I mean, they've turned into a, uh, a consumer electronics, uh, you know, company themselves. But this and, this, uh, this is the point: if you're not changing um, changing your personality or, or moving with the times as many times as you are, like Madonna, um, then <laughs> then you're not going to be around. <laughs> yeah. And and so um, so really charting your course through those dangerous waters of of where we're going to go next is just keeping to your core values as a company so uh that's that's where it kind of rolls so another company that fits into that that space of reinvention then would would have to be microsoft uh especially with what's happening in the in the pc uh area it's i mean it's not declining in the same numbers uh, that it is for some vendors. So I mean, Microsoft obviously right, you know, right across um, and get a slice of vir- virtually every PC or, or, or laptop sale in terms of a Windows license. Uh, but they've certainly had some uh, some some challenges, and a lot of people have said, uh, "Steve Barmer's got to go." Of course, last year he announced that uh, he he would step down. Uh, in the last week, it's been confirmed that uh, Satya Nadella uh, is going to step up as the CEO. What's uh, what's your what's your thought on this one? I mean, he he comes from uh, you know a very different area than uh, than than Steve Barmer, uh, you know, in in terms of his background. Uh, you know, he he's been uh, been been leading a lot of the the cloud initiatives within Microsoft, which seems to be uh, very much where the market's going. Uh, Satya is probably the wisest choice out of all of the so-called candidates that were being looked at. And, uh, you know, the decision that they made after Super Bowl to go and appoint him, mm. which is essentially what the board of Microsoft did just after the game, um, and pay him his package. I think it's worth $92 million in the ne- first 10 years or something like that. Mm, mm. Um, look, the point is, is that he's got a, a good wingman, which is Bill Gates, sitting there working with him. Every single day of the week, so to speak, right? That's pretty incredible, isn't it? An amazing I mean, mentor. Could anyone have guessed that Bill Gates would uh, would come back to oh, of Microsoft? Course, of course he would, because uh, if you think about it, it's it's, it's his baby. It's as much as Steve's. As but much as but he retired. He was he was just chairman of the board. That was his sort of final thing, and he was yeah. off off uh, you know doing his good deeds for well, uh, the world changes. The world. And, and and I guess he he kind of had a Lady Gaga change and decided to come back and mm. and help out. Uh, uh, you know, help. Such a move into it. The the point is that Microsoft are moving into a very cool area with cloud connectivity, all of that stuff. You know, Microsoft, um, uh, Windows phones, all of these things are adding up 
to a very, very cool company um, re-emerging itself and, and, and crystallising a good vision. Now, they've appointed someone that's, that's in their 40s uh, that kind of gets it, and, and he's relevant to the enterprise customers, very relevant to consumers. So I, I believe that that is fantastic leadership for Microsoft. It's even better to have the godfather sitting on your shoulder, oh, and, yeah. and it's magnificent to think that he could probably go on a super yacht and invite Steve Barmer along to serve him drinks. But the, the, <laughs> the point is that, that the leadership of Microsoft is heading in the right direction. It's a magnificent company to work with, and, and we've only just started working with them as well. And, and so I think that what's happened now is going to really secure a good um, navigation change for Microsoft. So uh, tell, tell me a, a little bit about um, how, how your company's working with, uh, with Microsoft. Oh, well, um, they bought a, a, a company that was um, valued a little bit more than their Nokia purchase called Skype. <laughs> so, right, so, so Tommy's own is working, uh, working with Skype. Yes, yes. Um, so we just kicked off a pilot, uh, in fact, um, uh, this week with uh, a number of sites around Australia and New Zealand for free Skype Wi-Fi by Tommy Zone. Mm. And uh, so interesting initiative. We'll see how it goes. And uh, if it all goes well, then you expect to see it elsewhere around the world. Oh, that's uh, that's really interesting. And uh, so Skype Wi-Fi, how does, how does that work? Who, who gets access to that? Anyone with a Skype account, or, or in fact the free Skype Wi-Fi concept, anybody can get access to it. You don't have to be a Skype customer, but uh, you know you get you get limited speed, limited time. It's kind of like a freemium service. If you want to do that for free without having a Skype account, go for it. But if you really want a good experience, you become a Skype member or you buy Skype Premium and get yourself a really cool service. So so it's and, and it's not that expensive, uh, right? Because they've premium. got it. There's there's that yeah. There's the premium service, and I was yes. familiar with that. And you get uh, that gives you access to most to the Tommy Zone network and and in other countries Indeed. doesn't it that, you, you that buy a surface yeah. you, you buy a surface today and you get 12 months of skype free wi-fi around the world mm. and, and and well skype wi-fi right. um so and in uh, this in these regions that, that tends to be uh pretty much the tommy zone network yeah, pretty much us um right. in, in australasia and, and okay. the pacific so and so the free offering is a step down from that in terms of what you get, but just anyone can anyone uh, can join. Wow! Yeah, so uh, expect to see a bit more news about that in the coming months when the pilot starts to really roll along. Mm, mm. Oh, that's uh, that's really interesting. Now, Bill Gates, how important do you think he is to the to the picture? Uh, and how much do you think you know we're we're going to see changing this? You know, this leadership change. You know. Yes, such an Adela bring, brings a lot to the table, uh, but I mean, Bill Gates was really the the innovator that led Microsoft for for so long. Uh, do you do you think he's uh, he's still going to have an edge and to be able to uh, bring it? And this, in the I guess, in the same way, you know, if we look back at uh, at Apple and when Steve Jobs came back, he was able to really and and I mean, he came back in a CEO role, um, but really invigorated the company and and completely changed its fortunes beyond what you know anyone, uh, certainly any of the investors, I'm sure could have uh, could have imagined uh, to uh, you know to shoot straight past Microsoft and become the most valuable company in the world. Do you think we're going to see uh, um, the changes that come out of the CEO change and, and Bill's involvement 
uh, flip that back again where uh, where Microsoft becomes uh, you know even more valuable and successful I, I, I agree that it's, it's, it's um, going to be an incredibly positive impact for Microsoft I mean you think about it Bill's been on sabbatical now for how many years trying to save the world and he's done a very very good job at that mm. and mm. he's come back with a bunch of other life skills that he hasn't had to think about bits and bytes and so what he's actually doing is applying some of that and helping Satya mm. um, and, and Satya uh, you know really he'd be looking at him saying, have you ever experienced this problem before? How did you solve it? And so as a CEO, that's the most amazing thing you can get from a mentor as opposed mm. to a chairman who has different motivations or a board member that's got different motivations. So, mm. so um, having Bill Gates as your mentor, as a CEO of the company that he started, hello, pretty cool. It's, oh, not, yeah. it's not going to be another Steve Jobs story, believe me, where he waltzes in and causes a wind of change, but it's going to be a steady um, hand in charge of the tiller um, along with a really cool navigator sitting in the corner um, answering questions as required. So, well, well, it took Jobs, you know, uh, you know, a number of years before we really saw the, you know, the real sort of uh, a number of years know. and a number of tantrums. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, you couldn't count. You couldn't count those, could you? Well, not um, really, but but that does motivate were, some people and some well, organisations. Well, I'm just saying, you, there are so many of them. You probably couldn't count them from what we hear about his personality. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think some some really exciting times ahead and I'm sure this must be uh, exciting for those that are within Microsoft and you know I know there's been frustrations you know around some of their products around uh, Windows 8 as a product you know I, I think uh, you know a lot of people just haven't haven't got it um, there's a lot of opinion that hey they've just gone down the wrong the wrong track with it uh, but you know I, th- I think with this we, we'll see we'll see continued innovation and uh, you know it it seems likely that uh, you know the best people are, uh, are leading the business forward now well the two big C's are there cloud computing and the other one is connectivity so and that's that's their, their kind of strategy so they're heading in the right direction in my opinion and now just something else that they are doing which which has obviously been uh, where Apple have made a lot of their money is selling selling hardware now. The Surface, really nice products. Uh, they're, they're starting to sort of ramp up in sales. They're bringing Nokia on board this year. Uh, any sort of personal opinions on uh, on how how that's going to uh, going to grow? Is this going to grow into a really big product line that will uh, mean we'll see others like uh, like Sony and, and so on pull out of uh, you know, making some of these products because Microsoft's so successful? Well, uh, they had to take control of that part of the ecosystem because it was starting to get a bit wild with the whole of their pirated uh, uh, software into Manufacturer X in the middle of nowhere coming up with their stuff. So they need to ca- take control of their gadgets. And so if they're making solid gadgets that have really good service and support, uh, pretty much, um, uh, you know, copying is the, uh, the the best form of flattery, they should copy as much as they can of what Apple have done, allow people in the world to have a choice between this and that and the other thing. And people like Samsung are doing a great job with their own stuff. Um, so the, the, the key gadget makers, it's good to see Microsoft really entering that ecosystem in a strong fashion. I think it'll go very, very well. Good. All right. Well, we will we will look forward to uh, to seeing how that progresses, but I guess the point is, uh, yeah, don't hold your breath. These things will take some time before we probably see uh, most of the changes because a lot of it goes on behind the scenes, doesn't it? Although what we have seen over the over the last year or two is that acceleration within Microsoft, where where uh, you know we're seeing that sort of you know continual 
iterating. And in fact, this new update for uh, for Windows 8.1 that's due out, uh, I think the latest we've heard is, is April uh, uh, timeframe, is, um, yeah, that's, what, about six months behind the previous, uh, yeah, Windows, the, the Windows 8.1, uh, release. And here we've got actually a change that isn't just, you know, fixing some bugs. They're actually, uh, trying to improve the, uh, the user experience and making changes in that area. And if we look back, you know, a while, it was always, you know, years between these sorts of uh, these sorts of changes. So they're starting to iterate faster, even if it's smaller changes, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's run. It's a typical software development area: run fast, break a few things, but that's okay. Um, previously, it used to be run slowly, break everything, and then let the users come back and complain. Um, so, so I think uh, I think with Microsoft, with the amount of cash that they've got in the bank, they've got enough money now to hire the best people, the best teams, the best companies, and buy the best. Things. Things um, to really uh, concentrate on user experience, copy some great ideas that other companies have done, and still be relevant. Good. Now, um, favorite apps that you're using. Now, there was one when uh, when I bumped into you in San Francisco uh, a few months ago that you were using to uh, help you get uh, around the place. And uh, and word <laughs> is that's going to become uh, relevant in in Auckland uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, Uber. If you haven't heard of Uber um, and uh, you, you really need to figure it out, go to uber.com and have a look. It's where you can order a, a private driver, if you like, uh, from anywhere where you're standing. You know who the driver is. The driver turns up, knows who you are. Uh, you've got a driver rating when you've ordered this thing. You can choose from the category of car, whether it's a, a taxi, uh, a Lincoln Town car or an SUV. And when I was using it in San Fran, where where it was commonplace for everyone to use Uber. Uh, you know, the, the, the charge for the drive to go from A to B is automatically done with your credit card. You don't need to fumble about for tips and stuff as well. Um, and if the driver did give you the runaround, you can rate him, you know, three out of five, and then Uber will come back and say, hey, we're well, sorry, you had bad service here, have a bit of a refund. Mm, um, mm. So they've got the whole uh, frictionless payment system sorted out, made, made a ride frictionless, and made it more personalised so the driver knows you, you know the driver. And so what we're seeing around the world, and, and um, having been recently funded to another $250 million from Google, um, you're going to see the expansion of Uber around the world. It's in Sydney and Melbourne at the moment. Used it over there successfully, although not so successfully in Melbourne um, and you're going to see it here in Auckland uh, and they're having a few challenges aren't they because a lot of what they do uh, is sidestepping the and I mean technology you know, tends to do this tends to disrupt industries and they're able to sort of sidestep the traditional taxi model and in most uh, countries most sort of uh, legal jurisdictions there's a model that allows uh, for private car rentals yeah and yep. uh, and they slide in under that uh, that that private uh, car rental uh, model much like renting a uh, you know renting a limo or something there's a that's there's a transaction that sits outside what you would do for a cab but they're actually not competing with those probably traditional well, I, uh, driven right cars now, but they're competing with the taxis when uber comes out in auckland and you're a cab driver listening to this right now and you've got some brand on the side of it, debrand your cab immediately, change your licence category and become an Uber driver because you'll be so 
busy um, because people like that frictionless stuff. They like the accountability of the driver. They like the fact that you know who that driver is and also having nice little knickknacks like a bottle of water in the back of the car and the uh, friendly service. You know, most of the Uber drivers um, have things that are unique to their, their driving style. We had one driver that said, uh, would you like some gum, sir? I've got this fine range here and he just opens up this little thing as if SUV and it's like he's got a dairy. Yeah. Um, but, but, in, uh, but in all seriousness, um, these guys are making a lot more money being Uber drivers than just being private drivers on the side or even cab drivers. Mm. So, uh, and even though they're driving, uh, they're driving the prices down, and as you say, making it a much more fl- frictionless the, experience. The, the regulatory authorities are, are a bit of a worry. Um, I think that that's a that's a PR excuse. Um, there will always be a business model that will work for a particular market, and and I, for one, would throw money at Uber in Auckland if it was here. Mm. Well, I mean, it seems to me like this this will really transform. Uh, the market as long as the local councils and and you know uh, regulatory sort of uh, systems don't uh, don't end up uh, messing it up um, of course we do have zoomy is available uh, right now in, um, in in Auckland and uh, that's a, that's a, a payment mechanism it's, a, it's it, and, and again it's it's a company that that is trying to disrupt the way that you order a cab and mm. pay for a cab which is great mm. essentially that's what uber is doing mm. and um, the difference though in the states where they haven't um, uh, really, um, I guess, got the great ear of some of the regulatory authorities is that there are dreams in 30 years' time, that, you know, the, the, the headlines in 30 years' time, Uber buys GM because it's buying all of the cars that are all driverless, driverless cars in LA. And so Uber is running these cars. Um, yeah, okay, that's interesting. But bottom line is frictionless purchasing of a cab ride. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, certainly the the future of of where it's going with with driverless cars is um, you know is an interesting one, uh, but there's a little a little way to go before uh, before everyone loses their uh, loses their job, and uh, you know pa- passengers uh, d- you know decide they're uh, they're happy with such an experience. People still want to wheel themselves around, and if they don't have to own a car and it's affordable, why not? Yeah. Uh, any other apps that are uh, that that have been sort of favourites for uh, for you lately? What what uh, I, I, what, what I, is it that you use every single day, other other than the uh, you know your browser and your email and uh, well, let, social media apps? Let me tell you about the shortest app that I've ever owned. The shortest app that I've ever owned. I downloaded it, I gave it a go, and I deleted it instantly. Flappy Bird. Oh, okay. Okay, so it, it drove me nuts within about three seconds, yep, and it got yep. the instant delete. And uh, sadly, um, that app is no longer available on no. any app store. Yeah, they, uh, they pulled it, right? Or should I say happily. Mm. Um, but back to your question, uh, the one that I use daily is my news aggregator, Zite. Yep. Um, so that's that's been great for me. They've, they've done some really good upgrades in recent months to really figure out what I like to read and what I don't like to read. Um, and there's always a flexibility to go off-piste and, uh, and, and have a look around. And Spotify... Um, I'm sorry, it's been around for ages, but I've been a recent convert to it, and uh, I, I'm pretty happy paying them a subscription level um, for listening to, to music in the car or wherever um, on my wonderful 4G connection that's, that mostly works around Auckland. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, Spotify is a great app um, that, that I, I, I use religiously. And um, more recently, uh, we've, we've just kind of deployed this thing called um, a, a Center, I think it's a center. Um, it's a it's a team uh, working thing. It's uh, an app with uh, high eighty eight is is the um, uh, is the app that plugs into a center, which lets lets me run projects among my team without email. 
Uh, right. So that's yep. pretty cool. Yeah, there's some pretty good tools that are uh, you know that are coming coming around for things like uh, project management and uh, managing tasks and yep. and uh, and and so on that are sort of. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, brand new cloud-based sort of uh, offerings. Yeah, it's, it's too early for me to call on that one, mm, but mm. Um, I've been using it now for uh, I think this is day number day number five, mm, and mm. I've been relatively impressed with it. Mm. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always uh, it's always hard making those sort of changes because you want to uh, you want to jump into something that's going to really suit you for the long term, uh, but yep. often you don't know until you've actually jumped in and uh and and given it a test in the real world rather than just sort of yeah. playing around and thinking about what it might do yeah. huh? jump into the pool and then wash your face with it and if it still works great excellent hey well uh thank you very much for your time steve pleasure always good to catch up now remind us how we can track you down online on social media uh you can see me on twitter at at simsy um you can always find me across on on linkedin i'm always there um or uh, you know Steve at Tommy's own. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, well, uh, great to catch up. Thank you for the time. For your time, uh, for those that are listening in, uh, you can of course also track down NZ Tech Podcast online nztechpodcast.com uh, and we're across all of the uh, the social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook and uh, uh, Google Plus and so on. So. Uh, Good way to connect so you keep up to date with uh, with, with anything that we're uh, we're sharing. You can track me down uh, also on the same platforms, uh, Paul Spain on uh, on Twitter and uh, yeah across the uh, the various social media. So hey, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, do keep a watch out for uh, for our other uh, podcasts. We've got the New Zealand Business Podcast uh, starting to come out uh, pretty regularly now, and uh, a new podcast that uh, we hope to be able to announce uh, next week. So. Uh, stay tuned for uh, for details on that one. Hey, thanks for listening. See ya.